Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you the reviews on the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television, whether it's looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth a trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes, and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On this episode, you are currently listening and or watching to, I will be talking about the film from 2019, The Lighthouse. Written and directed by Robert Eggers, or Eggers, I should say. I believe in my previous review of The Witch, I kept referring to him as Eggers for some reason. Uh, This also co-written by Max Eggers, which I assume is his brother. Uh, And I am doing, each week, I will be watching and reviewing a new movie from Robert Eggers last week. Eggers last week was The Witch. This week is The Lighthouse. Next week will be the Northman, Northman, whatever that third film is from him. Uh, he's only done three films so far, and I haven't seen his third film yet. And that is one of the reasons why I'm doing this small series of reviews, because I do want to watch it. I also enjoy watching movies within a director's filmography to get an idea and to get a his vibe, his or her vibe on how they like to tell stories. Uh, and Robert Eggers telling very unique stories in very artistic and well-made ways. And I appreciate that. Uh, and I definitely enjoyed The Witch, which was my second time watching that film. Uh, but actually my first time watching it, paying attention to it, you know, watching it to review. This movie was actually, The Lighthouse, was actually one of the first reviews of The Ray Taylor Show back when this movie came out. I didn't really enjoy. I was also watching this movie my first time watching it. I was working and went to a late screening, was very tired, and was struggling to stay awake. And this movie is a very slow, kind of methodical film. Uh, So I wasn't doing myself any favors. So not only am I re-watching, did I re-watch this film to get a better perspective after seeing The Witch and knowing not only what he, how he likes to tell stories, the types of stories he likes to tell, but also, having seen this film uh, already, I knew what to expect in this new, this second viewing. But I'm also reviewing it again. So, I don't know what I said in the first review. I did not go back to rewatch what I said uh, because my opinions in this review may have changed. And this will be definitely a more in-depth uh you know, episode on my thoughts on the episode on this movie versus the first episode. I was doing short episodes, so it's a very quick ten minutes uh, or so. Where this is probably going to be closer to a half hour long, if I had to guess. Uh, but this movie that came out in 2019 is a movie about this new kind of this rookie lifehouse guy going to. Uh, he's a lighthouse assistant. 
going to this secluded lighthouse on this island that is far away, apparently the farther away, farther distance you have to travel to get to the lighthouse, the more you get paid. And we have this character played by Robert Pattinson, who's this new assistant uh, to go watch this lighthouse, to take care of this lighthouse, along with the guy who's there, who's been there the longest, played by Willem Dafoe. Um, and in this movie, the lines are blurred. The lines between reality and fantasy, very blurred. The lines between what you're watching as the audience to be true versus uh, the reality of the situation is blurred, like it is very confusing as the audience, intentionally so, uh, to put you in that mind state of this descent into madness uh, and to not know what is real, what is hallucination, what is dream. Uh, and this movie does a great job kind of replicating that in the viewing experience in this very slow I wouldn't say boring, but it's definitely slowly paced, uh, disturbing descent into madness. Madness, And uh, what is the runtime on this? It's not a very long movie. Hour and 150. So it's not, you know, it takes its time. And it's only two actors primarily. You have, uh, you have Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, and then you have uh, Valeria Karaman, as well as one other actor. Uh, who only shows up very briefly in uh, hallucinations-slash-dream sequences. Uh, overall, I love the artistic achievement of this film. I think I think Robert... Is Robert Eggers? I want to make sure I... I keep wanting to say David Eggers for some reason. Robert Eggers, I think, is an artist. I think... These stories, these like folk tales that he tells in these movies are created in a very specific way. There's clear, there's a lot of thought that goes into uh, the creation of these stories, the tellings of these stories. Uh, a lot of thought goes into the visual aesthetic. Everything, every piece and every aspect of these pieces has a meaningful uh, is a meaningful addition to why and how these movies are told, these stories are told. So on that level, I think what he's doing is very artistic. Uh, there are a lot of references and metaphors in this film that I feel go way over my head. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling that these these this movie specifically, so far, I would imagine is a movie that welcomes discussion over what things mean and what the visuals mean in certain scenes and uh, the overall kind of trying to piece together the reality of what you're watching I think is definitely something that is up for debate with these this movie uh, and I think a lot of that is intentional because there are moments where you're unsure as the audience of what you're looking at, whether it's real, whether it's a hallucination, whether it's a dream. You have characters who seemingly are gaslighting the audience, uh, gaslighting each other, or like you're constantly questioning what's reality. 
as these characters are constantly questioning what real what is real so on that level i think it's an achievement on on that as well as the you know the overall uh, aesthetic of the film i thought was really good um the overall like subgenre of descent into madness films right like i would say the shining is a- another one of these types of movies that i i'm not really like i appreciate what they're doing but it's a subgenre of film that i don't connect with very much uh and don't appreciate and don't enjoy like the shining for instance not a favorite movie i understand and i can appreciate the artistic skill and the artistic merit of that film just as i can in this film but that type of a story um i don't enjoy watching i guess you could say which i you know definitely not intended to be enjoyed but there's definitely people that enjoy a descent into madness and i think this one does what even the shining doesn't do where this one as the audience watching this film you almost feel the same disorientation that these characters feel not knowing what's real what's happening what people's intentions are what the the chain of events that brought you to this place really are uh and i think all of that disorientation is done on purpose but so as like a subgenre of film this descent into madness subgenre maybe i would at some point would love to do like a top 5 episode where I watch a bunch of well-regarded Descent into Madness films like this one, like The Shining, and maybe in watching a bunch of movies in that subgenre, I will maybe form a, a more of an appreciation for it uh, and maybe enjoy them more. But I think that's one thing that takes away some of my enjoyment of this film that I believe is a work of art, right? Even watching it the second time, knowing what I'm getting into... Uh, it, it, I could see what it's doing. I could understand instead of the first time I was so confused. I was also very tired. I wouldn't recommend watching this movie when you're tired, right? Because this movie actively tries to make you confused and I think succeeds. And if you're not awake and aware and, and paying attention, uh, it could easily just be like, wait, I thought that was like, it, it can, it definitely makes you second guess what you just watched. Uh, in a lot of ways, which I, I found to be pretty pretty interesting in this in this view. But in comparison to his previous film, The Witch, I enjoyed The Witch far more than this film. I don't know if necessarily The Witch. I would say this movie is maybe more artistically better. I think there there's aspects of this that are like I think like for somebody to study a film. I think there's probably more you can study in this film and get out of this film more so than The Witch maybe, but as a piece of entertainment, I enjoyed The Witch more. Uh, so as a piece of art, I you know I think it's, it's a great piece of art. It's just not a piece of art that I necessarily connect with as much as this previous film. Uh, but uh, I definitely enjoyed it far more than my first watch, and it's probably because I knew what I was getting into. Um, and like I said, a lot of the symbolism and references to different mythologies in this film, which it clearly is is talking to whether it's like uh, the the ocean 
related stuff that sailors would do the mythologies of that with you know the different gods and the different superstitions superstitions and all that kind of stuff all those things are clearly present but i'm not obviously as educated on them so i didn't necessarily get a lot of the references or probably didn't appreciate a lot of those references as much as i would have if i did know them uh but this movie also you know touches on you know sexuality in some some minor ways it also touches on kind of the father-son dynamic in some ways as you have a younger robert pattinson and an older willem dafoe where willem dafoe's the boss in this situation he is the the one who is above power structure wise above and dictates the the tasks of robert pattinson and then also the technical aspects of this movie i enjoyed and i think all combined to a cohesive overall piece of art where you have the four by three aspect ratio that not only has that old-timey feel you know having a square view of this film the black and white obviously does that but i think the the four by three also adds to the claustrophobic nature of this film right it adds to making you feel uncomfortable as a lot of aspects of this and again it's black and white very dark like most of the scenes is like gray like mid-range like 50 percent gray is the brightest that most scenes are aside from like if a candle's lit or if the lighthouse is in the picture where you will actually get white highlights in this film so it's a very dark, like very depressing, very gloomy type of a, a of a feel to. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about attention, attention all, all Ray, Ray Taylor, Taylor show, show fans. fans. We're excited to announce we've just released a line of exclusive merchandise featuring original artwork inspired by the show. Our high quality shirts and biodegradable phone cases are a perfect way to show your support for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus, with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait, head on over to inspiredisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor Show merchandise today. And now, let's get back to the show. Uh, it's also, you know, as I said, slow, very methodical. Uh, the sounds that are present, the sound design of this is also very just like grating. It, it's like, you know, just another aspect that just along with the, the, the squared out aspect ratio, along with the very dark look of the film, the sound design of having like like this certain scenes like super loud machinery there's constantly this wail of the foghorn going on in many scenes there's this incessant clicking or ticking of the clock just like these constant things that are constantly like these intrusive sounds these sounds that like will get under your skin as like and i think as this movie goes on those things become not only for the audience become this kind of relentless type of assault on your senses but also clearly 
adds to the madness that is being escalated within the story itself. So I chose to watch this movie with subtitles just as I did The Witch because similar to The Witch, very stylized dialogue, you know, all of these, both of these films really transport you accurately into a time and a place, right, where people spoke a very certain way where, you know, ways in which people speak is very different. I mean, there's definitely aspects of this that are, you know, poetic, you know. Uh, so I definitely would recommend, uh, or at least I got out, I, I enjoyed being able to have the subtitles on just to help make sure I'm understanding this complex not even that complex, but this movie that is constantly lying to you, <laughs> you know, Tr just just to make sure that I understand where I'm at. And it's not on me that I'm getting confused, that it is the film's intention that I'm being confused uh, and great performances because this movie is based just two actors. You have uh, Willem Dafoe's character, Thomas Wake. Uh, is his character's name. He's the grizzled old-timer, the guy with all the experience. He's the guy in charge. Uh, you're sometimes in, unsure if he's the victim in the scenes or if he is just gaslighting. You don't know what his intentions are. You don't necessarily know. There's moments in this film where you don't know what's real, what's not, and you don't know where he stands as far as the... If he is trying to make, if his character is trying to drive this other guy insane, or if it's just we're seeing these events through the eyes of the patent, uh, Robert Pattinson's character, and we are made to feel like we don't, we're we're going insane as well. So it's kind of playing on this like line of like, is he the victim? Is he not the victim? Like, is he lying? Right. Is is are we just being shown lies like is the movie lying to us? Is the character lying to us? Uh, and he also plays in many ways the father figure to Robert Pattinson, who's the rookie whose name is Ephraim uh, Winslow. But is it like there's there's a mystery kind of with Robert Pattinson's. Why is he there? What were his, his intentions of going to? this secluded lighthouse to make money right at first he's this rule follower doesn't drink playing it by the book uh, but of course as things loosen up things kind of change uh you know we know that he's pr probably hiding secrets i mean we definitely some of those secrets kind of become uncovered as we go on um so the question of who he is definitely comes into comes into the field and you also see that in some ways, because of the father-son dynamic, you know, mentor, rookie type of a thing, he, he looks for approval in some, some moments. Um, and there's, when we find out that his name isn't, it's, the names are very interesting, which also kind of, I think, might play into some of the confusion. Uh, but... You know, most of this, I mean, this whole entire movie, we're on this secluded island with these two people, right? The farther out you go, the farther out this lighthouse that you're going to work at, the more money you make. 
Um, it's like always dark, always cloudy. The only other piece of life that is around them are these seagulls that are constantly flying around, constantly bullying uh, Robert Pattinson's character. F, what is his name? F, uh, Ephraim. Right, you have the constant howling of the foghorn, constant ticking of the clocks. You have moments of loud machinery. Uh, it just all of that stuff adding to the constant confusion and tension of the film, uh, and the the constant battle with uh, the bad drinking water. Right, the cistern is a, is an issue, and possibly leading to some of the mental breakdowns that go on uh it's an interesting scene where he's putting i had to look it up to see what he was actually putting in the cistern so the cistern i found out for like lighthouses prior to plumbing because there's no fresh water there basically the cistern is like a water collection tank right so the runoff from the roofs when it would rain would be collected in this tank called the cistern and to keep that water clean and drinkable they would put chalk in it so there's this scene where pattinson's hauling this giant bag of something which we find i found out is chalk to pour into the cistern and you see it mix up and it makes this kind of beautiful swirl design in the cistern as this disgusting water i don't know how I mean, because you have, like, all of the bird shit that would be on the roof, all of the seagull shit, you know, would just be washed into this water, right, as it would rain. You also have probably a lot of the salt from just the ocean, you know, the constant ocean uh, mist from the storms and things, right? So you have this water that is your only source of drink, of, like, fresh water, and you're constantly battling these things that are trying to pollute that water. It, it's it's kind of a disgusting thing. And I don't know how chalk cleans that kind of water, but that's, you know, I looked that up and that's apparently what he puts in there. You know, it's this film, you're, it's always disorienting. You're always unsure. You know, even the characters within each scene, right, are almost gaslighting the audience, right? just as much as they're gaslighting the other characters uh so you don't know as you go down this descent into madness uh and you're you as the audience you're right there with them right you're, you're witnessing and experiencing a lot of this confusion firsthand right and constantly almost as if you're stranded out at sea and you're just constantly grasping for any truth for anything in this movie that you can hold on to and and like claim as like the truth of what you're the reality of what you're seeing so it's it's you're constantly like being it it just adds to the constant confusion of the 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 film um I do want to get into spoilers of this film, talk about specific things, so I'm going to do that. Overall, like, you know, and there's the constant battle in this movie of Pattinson wanting to not being allowed to go up to the lantern of the the lighthouse. Like there it is one it's like a forbidden aspect of the island. There are a lot of aspects of this island that he's locked away from. Like literally uh Thomas Wake 
Willem Dafoe's character. There's so many things that are behind lock and key that Pattinson's not allowed to. He's restricted from knowing or experiencing, and that lighthouse is part of it. Meanwhile, his jobs are kind of the worst kinds of jobs. Like he's 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 relegated to doing all of the other labor work that is necessary to maintain this lighthouse, this island. And Willem Dafoe's main job is to man the light at night, right? From dark till morning, that is his job. And he doesn't allow... So there's this constant, like, as craziness is happening, there's also this constant desire for Pattinson's character to to get access to these forbidden things. So it's interesting. Descent into Madness an insanely oppressive kind of surroundings, whether it's visually or audibly. But I do want to talk about spoilers. So spoiler warning for those that don't want to be spoiled uh, of the lighthouse from 2019. Uh, There's many different dreams. Like there's dreams, visions, hallucinations. Sometimes you know that the character is dreaming. Sometimes the craziness that you think you're experiencing through as a dream end up being part of the reality like the blending of what is real and what is not real is definitely a constant and you see kind of the start of that with how hypnotizing the the lantern is at the top of this lighthouse as it spins and you're seeing like this character kind of getting hypnotized by this spinning light um you see in one of the dreams this body floating in the water and Pattinson's character walking out, who we find out is named Thomas as well, which is kind of interesting that they're both Thomas, almost as if they are the same person, maybe adding to another layer to this madness where they are seeing themselves as another person. Like maybe this is Thomas running away from this thing and it's him as the older person confronting the younger part of himself uh, a potential way to read this Uh, but during one of uh, Thomas uh, what is his name is his um, character's name Robert Pattinson's character's name Uh, where is that his name is Thomas Howard is Robert Pattinson's name. At first tells Willem Dafoe's character, Thomas Wake, that his name is Ephraim Winslow. And then we find out that Winslow was his, during a drunk night, we find out that Winslow was like his old boss when he was in the logging industry in Canada, right? And he reminded him of, of, how, of Thomas Wake in a lot of ways. Always hard on him, always giving him shit. And there's this idea, especially with this dream where he sees this body floating as he's and he goes walks out into the water and gets consumed by the water and sees a mermaid under the under the water as he's like just walked out to go look at this dead body. Like you see through the course of this movie that it's probably like he's responsible and took the identity of this guy. Um, But yeah, one of the kind of that first dream where you know you know it's a dream uh but then there's there's another moment where howard thomas howard is outside and he looks up into the lighthouse and he sees willem dafoe's character thomas wake 
naked pressed up against the glass of the lighthouse right but then that almost seems like it was a dream right that's kind of one of the the aspects where you know the first time okay it's a dream now we're starting to see things kind of blend together a little bit more uh you he sees a, a mermaid washed up and you know starts to have sex with it but then it's like then she squawks like a seagull at him clearly like a dream right but then there's like there's aspects of these visions that almost are real or almost confirmed to be real on some on some level it's just kind of like a lot of the dreams and the and the visualizations start to kind of blend and uh there's the fantasies there's like one it, and they kind of get more intricate and more complex as they go right he's he's having these fantasies while he's using this mermaid statue that he found stashed in you know whoever was there before right one of the few places they could stash and have a hiding place for this thing this little mermaid statue hidden in his mattress and he's using that as his jerk material right so he's masturbating with this little mermaid statue and he starts fantasizing about him having sex with the mermaid that washed up and then tentacles are choking him. And then you see a vision of the man from behind, right? This Winslow guy, his old boss. Uh, then it's like cuts to him hauling up a lobster that has like a head in it. You have Thomas Howard showing him like almost killing himself so it's it's howard kind of choking himself but then behind him was the willem dafoe character kind of turning him around and there and is almost a lighthouse like with a light beaming from thomas wake's face and it's like this scene where like they're all naked and it's like it, it it's taken from an actual piece of art that is recreated and apparently is in reference to struggles with sexuality or whatever but it's like one of the many moments where the you know imagery and themes of this movie kind of going over my head uh but very surreal imagery and uh, you know like i said a movie that definitely welcomes closer examinations and uh you know i'm sure provokes very interesting conversations about what all the different symbolisms and and the metaphors uh, all those things mean let's take a quick break from this episode because i want to promote are you looking for a way to take your love of the ray taylor show to the next level look no further than inspire disorder plus as a member you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks including the full week of shows ad free in both audio and video versions a live painting archive early access to the many faces members only discounts and deals a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes but that's not all as a member you'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing you'll also get get the chance to ask me anything you want with all of these benefits and more inspired disorder plus is a must have for any fan of the ray taylor show so don't wait go sign up now head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership and now let's get back to the show 
all the tasks that Thomas Howard has to do, whether it's, uh, you know, Thomas Wake minding the light. That's all he has to really do, right? Check, making sure the light's going and farting. Pretty much all he's doing from morning to tonight. But uh, Howard is not allowed up there, and he's doing all the other grunt work, um, all the maintenance on the island. Uh, you know, whether it's putting the chalk in the cistern, uh, whether it's fixing shingles on the roof, which like he pulls up a shingle and it's just you see sees directly into the bedroom where they have their two beds and he's seeing Thomas Wake humping the bed. Right. I mean, it's it's just a, one of many kind of crazy scenes. You see him having to paint the outside of the the lighthouse. You're seeing him constantly having to go into the engine room that spins the light having to shovel in coal that's where you get the super loud like machinery sounds you see him having to swab the floors and you know thomas wake not being okay with the way he did it and constantly having to do it polishing the barrels having having to bring oil up but not knowing that there's a smaller container to bring the oil up like he's just being abused in every way doing these these tasks right whether it's climbing inside the giant foghorn uh you know boarding up the windows when the storm's about to to come pulling up the lobster cage as just thomas wake watches him uh, there's even a scene, one of the, one of the kind of the worst ones is after they've been drinking and he goes to dump out the, the, uh, containers that they use to relieve themselves, right? These, these pots that are full of piss and shit, I would imagine. And he's, w w wakes up completely hung over and going, walking out in the morning with the, the brutality of the wind and the salt water and all of that to go pour these things out and when he does it like splashing back up in his face and him yelling and it's like that just just every aspect of his duties on a day-to-day -day basis are absolutely hell and not getting any help right the other guy is in charge and he's going to his only job aside from cooking is to watch the light and pattinson's character does everything else and meanwhile the thing that kind of sets off the descent into madness is this seagull that's bullying Pattinson, right? When he's going to put the chalk in the cistern, he's blocking the door. The seagull's blocking the door. When he's laying in bed at night, the seagull goes to his bedroom window and pecks out the, the window. Uh, when he falls from painting the, the lighthouse, the outside of the lighthouse, the bird comes over and pecks at his skin through a hole in his pants. He's told by Wake that, you know, killing a a gull is bad luck because the gulls hold the souls of all the sailors that that have died, right? So it's bad luck to because he saw Pattinson kind of like trying to get this this bully away from him that's just making his everyday existence that is already horrible, making it even more like adding insult to injury that he's getting bullied by this seagull, right? And then 
he goes there's one day where he goes where everything kind of starts where he goes to the cistern and there's a dead seagull in that water floating in the water which is just disgusting like they're drinking water and there's a dead animal in there which how the animal got in there right it's it's supposedly closed up you know it only is supposed to be collecting rainwater somehow this dead bird got in there and the seagull comes over to to bully him some more and he just goes off on it right he just goes off bashes brutal bashes the seagull and then you see the winds change and that's when you see that's kind of that moment right where this superstition is valid in the reality of this movie where everything starts to to go bad right everything starts to spin out of control and there's a lot of that kind of supernatural stuff whether it's uh when he kind of refuses to drink alcohol and is leaving the toast unfinished and how thomas wakes like it's a curse to leave a toast unfinished he then is fills his cup with water the bad water to complete the toast uh the bad luck to kill the seabird um you know there's the small mattress in his room that has the only hiding spot for that small statue uh kind of being his only type of uh porn his only kind of way to fantasize to to like mentally take a vacation from his existence and he's only supposed to be there for four weeks right and maybe because he didn't complete the toast with the alcohol maybe because he beat the the gull everything starts to change the storm comes and he loses his opportunity to get off the island right and we find out that he's running from something. We find out that, you know, not necessarily that he was like that he killed this guy. The way he when he confesses in one of their drunk nights, right? When things start to change, then they start drinking together and they start having fun. But it also, you know, you see Pattinson's character just drinking throughout the day. He starts to lose time eventually he confesses to thomas wake uh that his name is thomas that his name isn't this other guy and that that other guy was his boss that he didn't like and while working in the the logging industry the way he tells it is that the guy fell in the water and he just didn't do anything to help him right he didn't kill him but he did, did offered no help so all of this stuff like you realize that he's not a very good guy probably and it's just like the booze all of the just the lack of water i'm sure as well just adding to the paranoia adding to the misremembering of stories uh you see like a moment where he's chasing willem dafoe with an axe and then Willem Dafoe is acting like the the victim and that well going from it's it's like changing their perspective of being the victim to the one that is is possibly causing the harm uh it's a constant back and forth uh, there is one moment that I thought was funny where uh Howard is talking shit about Wake's cooking says cooking's bad and he's like, don't, what, are you serious? My cooking's bad? And he says, yeah, it's horrible. And he gets this, Wake stands up and does this long monologue, this curse, how we, which we find out becomes 
the what happens to Thomas Howard, right? The events of the f- how this movie ends are all what plays out from this curse. But it's this long curse about him being offended that he doesn't like his his cooking. And after the curse, he's like, nah, I, I like your food. It's all right. And he's like, oh, OK, like one of the only moments in this movie that I thought was funny when he's like, oh, now you're you're. Your your uh your cooking's all right, but it was too late. the cu- The curse had already been said, right? It was just too late, right? The fact that he enjoyed that he insulted him too much, right? And then you see him trying to pick all the locks to get into those places that he's not allowed to go, right? And you there's this montage of this descent into madness, uh, him breaking the statue, the head in the lobster trap, chugging booze, them dancing and singing, just this montage of just insanity. Right. Ending with them slow dancing and you see a moment where they like almost go to kiss and it it turns into a fight like it's it brings up similar to the imagery that we saw earlier. It brings up these things of like dominant, submissive and being secluded and just like just kind of a lot of chaos going on. Right. A lot of confusion, not only just with the events of reality but also sexual confusion as well the constant horns going the ticking clock which he finally breaks the ticking clock right uh trying to escape and then wake destroying the dinghy with the axe and then the the tonal shift the power shift where he buries wake alive and wake is like giving this monologue as dirt is being covered up his face which you think kills him he thinks he kills him gets the keys from him to go check out the lighthouse but it ends up you know ends up uh he's still alive and and one of many instances where you see where as the audience you don't know what's going on but obviously uh it doesn't end up well but you know, definitely the whether it's the question of the mermaid, whether it's the tentacled thing that he saw in the lighthouse, in the lantern of the lighthouse, the loss of time, the fact that they're just drinking booze and the ups and downs of the camaraderie versus the butting of heads between these two it's just it's just a constant struggle just to hold on to any kind of normalcy uh while watching this movie which i think is a well-made movie right it definitely transport you transports you to that authentic place and time like you feel like you're there in many ways Uh, similarly to the witch from the sound design to the cinematography to the way people speak it's all it's all all of it together uh you know really makes you feel like you're there and the the metaphors and the layers of those things definitely over my head and definitely something that i would imagine if i heard somebody more knowledgeable speak about this movie i would be able to get more out of and appreciate it even more but just the genre of film the descent into madness genre of film is not necessarily a subgenre of horror that i connect with necessarily um but i did enjoy it far more than the first viewing 
despite being very uncomfortable and very disorienting and knowing that it is intentionally so, right? By design, that it is disorienting and confusing. But that is, those are my thoughts. As, as disjointed and confusing as they are, uh, I think you know it's it's a, a crazy movie and uh i enjoy what this guy is doing and really excited to see the next one but i want to thank you all for tuning in to the ray taylor show i hope you enjoyed my thoughts on the lighthouse don't forget to tune in every monday wednesday and friday for more movie and tv show reviews and join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or on youtube if you're watching this until next time Enjoy the show. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.